It's the guy the shit, Nick fucking Gage. And I want to give a shout out to my murder death kill gang members around the world. I want to give a shout out to all my boys locked up in a cell, Eastern Block. And I want to give a shout out to my hate club, RIP Nay Hatred, and RIP my brother Justice Payne. And you're listening to the podcast called A Man in His Podcast. You better go listen to that shit or I'll put my ski mask on and hunt you down and force you to listen to that podcast. So go listen to it. A man in his podcast. MDK all motherfucking day. Three my two steps. I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. There was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. another episode of a man and his podcast today i have a very special guest go ahead and introduce yourself hello everyone most of you know me as steve or uh, at not dr death uh, but my my shoot legal government name is steve williams so i'm trying to think of when i first found you on twitter i don't know what post it was but i because i just it seemed like out of nowhere i just started following a ton of people but I'm trying to think, I think it might've been somebody retweeted your, uh, you made a thread of your experience at some independent show where you won the 50, 50 raffle, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's, that's a winner. That's probably one of my favorite threads I've seen just your, uh, I think you were like screenshotting it from your Facebook and it was just like uh, post by post by post. It was just, you were like, all right, intermission's taking too long, guys. Just won 50-50. And what did you win from that 50-50? All right. So it wasn't even 50-50. Like, my buddy had joined the 50-50, and that's why we were still there. Uh, a, a friend of, like, a friend of a friend was a longtime indie wrestler in the area. And he's like, hey, man, come to this show. It's, uh, it's free. It's a TV taping. I know the people can't see me doing quotations. But uh, I thought they taped an hour or two. No, fucking five hours later on a Sunday. There we are. And everybody got a raffle ticket when they came in. In between matches, they would just raffle off three items. And I somehow ended up with a Gillette razor with a can of shaving cream and four free issues of Sports Illustrated. Four free issues of Sports Illustrated, you said? Yes. And the kicker is that the card was used and I couldn't get the free <laughs> the free issues. I was fucking worked at the raffle. <laughs> That's 
That's a bummer. I was just, uh, I just remembered I went to a uh, Glory Pro show about three years ago and I forgot why they had it, but there was a booth there and this guy was selling magazines out of a cardboard box. And I have like the 1989 year end Pro Wrestling Observer Awards edition. And then I have like a 2003 Raw magazine, but I ended up leaving them at a friend's house. But I'm like, God damn, that's insane to me that like, magazines used to be a staple that big that people were getting subscriptions oh man i I had a subscription of inside wrestling from like 95 to 96 which it ran out right when the nwo started i'm like oh of course you know now that the good shit's happening i can't read about it yeah i had there had so my aunt she would get me the sports illustrated like kids for christmas Mm -hmm. the yearly subscription each year and one year on Christmas, I walked in her house and she had a giant box wrapped with my name on it. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, this is awesome. And I was like <laughs> nine or 10 and I was wrapping it and I opened it up and it was a giant tote. And then there was a bunch of towels, then a bunch of wrapping paper. And somehow during all that, I ripped up the subscription on accident and I got to the bottom <laughs> to nothing. And I was like, all right, what kind of joke is this? And then my aunt's like, my aunt's digging through the trash looking for it. She's like, oh, I got you this subscription. And I was like, this ain't even funny anymore. Like, I'm just. I'm just annoyed. You can't you can't mess with a nine year old's heart like that, thinking he's gonna get like a. I thought I was getting like one of those uh, battery cars or something. I don't know. Oh, man, when I was I was about nine, and uh, I really wanted. I was super into Nintendo, and I wanted Nintendo Power magazine. And you know, keep on. I'm old as hell. So back then, young man, well, we didn't have this fancy internet. I had to sit by the uh, on the couch with a notepad. And wait for the commercial to come on with the 800 number to subscribe. It was $15 for a year. We ended up doing two years of Nintendo Power. And then I think my mom was worried that I was going to be one of those Nintendo kids that just never leaves the house. And she would not re-up. And she ended up getting me a year of Sports Illustrated for Kids. And the first month's issue had an article about uh, whether or not video gaming is bad for kids in the Sports Illustrated. (laughs) So yeah, I couldn't get away from that Nintendo shit no matter what. That's hilarious. Whenever I was like six or seven, like my, I would beg my parents to get me Playboy just because of the diva search. <laughs> and like, they, like I would be begging because like I forgot who it was on the cover, but I'd be like, oh, I wanted so-and-so's on the cover. And my parents were like, oh, we can't, you can't, we'll explain later. You can't. And I was like, why? But then I went to my grandparents' house and I went to the computer room and my grandpa had a fucking playboy lane on the counter or on the desk and i was like oh let's see if i can find chrissy hemi or whoever it was and i like walked <laughs> out of the living room or out the computer room into the living room and i was just like <laughs> and then from there on he locked up he he had a subscription from like i don't know what year way back then up until a few years ago he had cardboard boxes filled with them and he would lock them up in his closet so none of the other grandkids would find them like i did on accident it's that bit from stepbrothers or it's like masturbating in a time machine <laughs> oh my uh but no that's my experience with magazines i had the wwe kids which was my parents got me that whenever i was like 12 so that was just kind of boring at that point it was there was like a contest to design ray mysterio's mask and i submitted it but nothing happened from that unfortunately (laughs) but i always uh found it weird like i think i've at you on Twitter a few times asking about this. I'm like, how do you, uh, without the internet, how did you guys find out spoilers and all that? And everyone's like, oh, well, young man, there's uh, uh, magazines and that's the true dirt sheets. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. It's just. Well, 
what's more fascinating than that to me was like, we all kind of knew the same rumors, even though we didn't know each other. Uh, like anybody I've spoken to my age about wrestling from that day, you know, they always talk about uh, the ultimate warrior died, you know, before the real warrior died, obviously. But when he went away in 91 and came back and he looked so skinny, everybody had the rumor in their neighborhood that it was the second ultimate warrior. And in some places it was the Texas tornado. Like, how did we all know these things? That, that, that kind of thing just really weirds me out. Yeah, I remember, I forgot what brought it up, but I was like, wait, so people didn't know it was going to be Hogan as the third man? And people were like, oh, no, there's a ton of rumors. I'm like, that would have been, like, I just, AW's killing it with these surprises, like, somewhat, like, with the Punk and Brian shit getting leaked here and there. But then, like, when they had a big show and uh, Mark Henry get mm-hmm. signed, like, that stuff's cool to me. I love those surprises. Yeah, a well-executed surprise is, like, the most exciting thing you could do in wrestling to me. Uh, that's part of why when Nitro started, Eric Bischoff's big thing was he would just flat out tell the viewers what happened on Raw that night if it was taped. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that came back to Honda, that came back to bite him in the ass later when they revealed the McFoley title win. And I don't, hundreds of thousands of people switched over immediately so they could see that. Uh, but you brought up the Hogan thing. Like I was 14. And like the thought crossed my mind like an hour before the match because he had been gone. Like, well, what if it's Hulk Hogan? Like, ah, oh, no, there's no way. He's not that cool. He'd never want to do that. So, yeah, I was floored when that happened. That, that is one of the instances where it definitely used to be better without the instant access to information. I think the last big surprise that I can remember, now was their life word with Sting's debut in WWE. I think that was mm-hmm. badass. But, like, here's the thing nobody knows. Scott Trade Center, they were fucking idiots about it they were selling the sting masks <laughs> before the show ah. <laughs> and i'm like walking through the concession stand getting ready to buy a shirt and i'm like why the sting masks okay sure that's weird and then like he ended up coming out and but like that was a badass moment because there was no speculation there's no rumors that i can remember mm-hmm. and when he when the whole time tron went to the crows or whatever i was like holy shit that's why they had those masks or even well, man, his now- AEW debut was badass yeah, now everybody wants to be the one to, to break the story. So even when they try to hide it, you get things like when Bobby Lashley debuted, they just somebody took a picture of the laptop and tweeted it out where they were doing the test for the graphics. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, man, just, just let people live and let, you no, know, let us experience it together. Exactly. That and when uh, Bobby Roode came from the from NXT to SmackDown, somebody did that too. They took a picture of the glorious on the Titan Tron. Yeah. When they were testing it and that's just like you said just let us all be surprised together like uh last year when somebody tweeted out the video of keith lee winning the title at nxt mm-hmm. like that's just that was bound to happen because it was a taping but yeah. still man like that just it's a bummer whenever a surprise that you knew you would be excited for gets leaked i guess oh absolutely man my favorite, though, is anytime there's a big event going on, somebody reposts that same picture of CM Punk at the airport. Yes. <laughs> and they, they're just like, oh, my buddy from Chicago just sent me this picture. And then there's still people that still buy it. And they're like, oh, my God, really? Oh, man. It's Once like- as, a, as a goof, I went to SmackDown by myself. It just started tweeting uh, scoops like they were real things. Only it was just the most asinine bullshit you can think of. Just from listening to people around me talking, I'm like, it was scoop number three. Papa John's pizza is two for one. If you go to stand number three <laughs> or Huba stank was in town that night at a little dingy rock hall downtown. Like Huba stank is playing three blocks from here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. 
I remember. So yeah, uh, I did that. Go on. So yeah, I did that for like an hour, and then the pre-show match. This was the week that the New Day got drafted to SmackDown, and like the real scoop was, oh shit, like the, the New Day in the bar in the dark match. Like, sorry, you fuckers can't see it, but I'm turning my phone off for the next hour. Um, who was it that was just at Smack Davy Boy? Whenever he was what's it called? That was like cool to see somebody in a dark match that was like making their debut resign, like with a crowd and all that. That was kind of cool to see. And then I think somebody told me back in like 2010, um, I forgot his name. The big Japanese guy that wrestled in Ring of Honor did a dark match for Raw. I cannot think yeah, of his name. Is- uh, T- Takeshi Morishima. Yeah, Morishima, yep. And I had no clue that that ever happened. And I, like, scrolled past it on Twitter. Somebody said, do you guys remember this? And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and I guess he never, like, ended up getting signed or anything. But still, that was cool to see that they do yeah, the was, tryouts. Yeah, it was a deal where he had been compared to Terry Gordy so much that when Michael Hayes is your lead agent, uh, if this big Japanese guy isn't exactly Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Mike was just going to sour on him. And yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, I like it uh, when they do the tryouts before Raw and all of that. Like back when Daniel yeah. Bryan would do tryouts on Velocity and uh, I'm trying to think who else. I just found out Kazarian was signed for like a few months. That was good to me. That yeah, he, I remember that vividly because he left undefeated. Like he he was on TV. He was on Velocity mostly, and yeah. they're making a big deal about the the undefeated Frankie Kazarian. And then they asked him to cut his hair, and he just said, "Fuck you guys, I'm out," and left. That's awesome. That's actually badass that he did that. <laughs> that he just refused to cut his hair and just no, I'm gone. And yeah, then but I, then like six months later, he cut it like in TNA. <laughs> that's awesome. Speaking of cutting hair, do you see? So AEW did that um uh, the booking game challenge thing or whatever, where the winners got to book a match on Dynamite or on Dark or whatever. I did not, but that sounds like it has fun written all over it. So what they did is they have this new AEW booking or GM booker mode mobile yeah. game. And they had a tournament where if it was fans and if the fans won, they got the book a match for AEW, they marketed as, but then it turns out that they're like, Oh, well actually we're just going to give you uh, one wrestler and you have to find an opponent from this mm-hmm. list of five people to be on dark. And I'm like, okay. But uh, one of the guys that was in the competition, they were asked, what were you going to do for uh, if you won? And he said he was going to do, um, Brandon Cutler. Yeah, Brandon Cutler versus um what's the other bold guy's name? Luther. Brandon Cutler versus Luther in a hair versus hair match, but the loser had to grow their hair out for a year. And I'm like that would have been hilarious. That yeah, would have been like, that. like the complete opposite of a hair versus hair. But yeah, one of the guys from Deadlock won and he said that they told him they gave him like a list of five guys and they're like so what we're having is we're having a gimmick where uh Lee Johnson, if he wins, he gets a title shot. So you just choose his opponent and Lee's going to go over, I think they said, or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's boring. Yeah, I'm like, there's I wish a you- period of, so there's a period of time in the mid 90s where WCW would just do that on uh, Saturday night. They would kind of the same concept. They'd have five baby faces of five heels, and you'd have to call the 900 number to vote for who you wanted to wrestle each other. But to kind of make it, you know, to steer in the way they wanted, they would have like Sting and Vader or whoever have a little brawl before they started to vote so yeah. that most of the people would vote for those two. That way you mm-hmm. didn't end up seeing fucking Bobby Eaton wrestle 
junkyard dog or whoever. Do you remember, uh, it was like in 2011, it was uh, a voter's night or viewer's choice, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And it was like, choose Evan Bourne's opponent. And the options were like somebody, somebody in Sin Cara. But it was like two boring ass dudes. And everyone like just trolled and voted for like Vladimir Kozlov or whatever. So then the next week on row, they're like, oh, we had a malfunction with the voting. So we're doing Sin Cara versus Evan Bourne. No, apparently what happened on that was it was text messaging. And like it was the same phone number for every every match they did. Yeah. So like votes were still coming in from the last match. That you know, the, the data was so far behind. Like, well, I guess we'll I guess we'll send fucking Jack Swagger whoever out there. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. I remember very vividly like watching WrestleMania 24, and in between one of the matches that said, you can send this vote in to see who uh Send a prediction in for the main event. Text this number option B, C, and A or whatever. And I was just like being like nine or 10. And I was like, oh, that's badass. And my mom wouldn't let me text a number off of her phone because rates may apply and all of that. But like just looking back, I thought you could like legitimately make the matches. I mean, text message voting was such a big thing back then. It is ridiculous as I exit out of this Adobe player thing here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was so good that, uh, like, American Idol one year, they, they were doing the deal where you could vote for whoever. And at one of the home bases for one of the guys, they were, like, passing out phones. And it turned to this big controversy because they were saying, those votes shouldn't count because you're, you know, you're flooding the system. And yeah. Yeah, it was just a shit show. But when Tough Enough, the last season, like, 2015, they were doing, like, the, the viewers vote. The viewers choose who wins and all that. I'm like, that's just... Because he ended up having that fucking, uh, what's his face win? I think it was ZZ that one or something. Or somebody that just did not make it in WWE one bit. Oh, no, it was it was Silent Rage is who that was. But well, Are yeah, you the, talking about Andy? That's 11. Yeah. That's 11. Because I remember that very vividly. Oh, you're right. Yes, yeah, ZZ was later. Uh, who did win that one? 2015. I, I just started watching. Josh, Josh, Josh won. Because I yeah. just started watching that season of Breaking Ground, okay. and they were there. They were there for Josh's uh, contract signing. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Silent Rage Andy. I heard rumors of him becoming a drug addict or something, and I was like, "Damn, that's rough." <laughs> well, see, things like ZZ is why fans shouldn't be allowed to vote, <laughs> in my opinion. Because I well, mean, they- the, ki- the the kid was likable; he had personality, but there was no way in hell he was going to make it as a professional wrestler. Well, no, because I remember watching um, that season, rewatching it that long ago, and all the wrestlers were like, all right, we're going to go to the ring and train. You're going to come with us, easy? And he's like, no, I'm going to sit here and eat some burritos and film study. <laughs> and he's just sitting on the couch. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to end horrible for this guy. But that season was so wild because I remember uh, midway through the season, they had to take Hulk Hogan off. <laughs> yeah, see, I stopped watching. It just didn't entertain me. So I stopped maybe three episodes in. And I rewatched it years later. And my takeaway by the end of it was that no man deserved to win on this. Like they should have just had two women and they would yeah. have been much better off. Uh, I forget who the there, other woman was. There was Mandy Rose, Chelsea Green. I forgot who else was all in it. And then on the yeah, men's the, side, Patrick Clark is the only one I can remember. Yeah, the winner on the women's was Jesse, might have been her name, a real small girl who was. Kind of cute girl next door kind of thing. 
Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. I just remember that season being a disaster from the start. Oh, yeah, it was made, awful. They made it to, like, reality show. 2011 was one of my favorite seasons, though, when they asked um, who was it. They asked somebody what their favorite match was, and she said, like, Kelly Kelly versus Molina, and Steve Olsen went, what? <laughs> yeah, that was uh, Alicia Fox's sister. No, 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 no. no it was Cameron. Cameron is who Yeah, the Funkadactyl. Yeah. But when she gave that answer to Steve Olsen, said, are you kidding me? Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> out of all the matches in all the world, that's your favorite. Get out there and play some basketball with the midgets. <laughs> that season was awesome just because Steve Austin was just not taking any shit. He was just unloading on them. Oh, that's fantastic. Great television. And then I'm trying to think, 2004. Four was the year with Daniel Pewter where he like legitimately almost broke Kurt's arm, right? <laughs> yeah, that year it wasn't its own show. It was just like a segment on SmackDown. Yeah. And they tr- they had the idea to feed these guys pasta and milk all day to try to make where they're you know, concrete in their bellies and they wouldn't be athletic. And then they went in and like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna grapple with Kurt Angle. And they didn't expect anybody to be able to hold their own. They didn't take into account the fact that A Pewter was a fairly good mixed martial artist, but also Kurt Angle was held together by Viking and toothpicks by that point. It's not like 1997 Kurt Angle was in there. Like this yeah. man was needing a, this man was needing a wheelchair to get to the fucking airport. Of course, yeah. a, of course, a buff 25 year old is going to be able to take it to him with a little bit of knowledge. I remember when I met Kurt Angle in 2017, right before his hall of fame, I went to some indie that was doing a meet and greet. And I remember I like was behind him because the end line you had to like walk behind him and then in front of him. And I just remember literally seeing his neck being the size of like my head. And I was like, good God, man. And then it's my favorite picture with a wrestler ever. I'm like shaking his hand and he's just looking like Mance Warner staring at the camera. He's just like, <laughs> he looks so nervous. Like, I don't, so, man, I went, dude, I went to a TNA show in 2007 that had a meet and greet beforehand. Yeah, and it was it was at Louisville Gardens, and, and like the guys that they had us meet were like Kurt Angle, Samoa Joe, Christian Rhino, and a couple others. But <laughs> I get in there, and Kurt's you know they said no shaking hands because we're already running behind. They'll sign your paper, and no pictures, just move on down to the next guy. Yeah, all right, cool. Yo, Kurt gave me a firm handshake, asked me my name, asked me how I was doing. Super nice guy. I get to Samoa Joe, and I'm like, this was. April 2007, he had just finished up with ROH in February. I said, oh, man, I hate that you're here. I'd love to have you back at ROH. And he's like, well, tell him to pay me, kid. Did you ever hear my story? I've said this probably hundreds of times, but have you heard my story about my experience meeting Moose? <laughs> no. Did he throw you down the stairs? No. <laughs> Jeez, there we go. There's, there's uh, tick number one. <laughs> Um, hey, hey, you want Steve? You got Steve, damn it. Anyways, it was at AAW in Chicago. And I like went up to him and he was like the X Division champ at the time. And I was like, I was like, oh, hey, Moose, nice to meet you, man. Can I get a picture with you? And he goes, yeah, for $10. And I looked at him. And I was like, oh, I, I don't got $10 on me. My bad, man. Sorry. Because you're out of your mind if you think <laughs> I'm going to pay for a selfie. So then I go right next to him at the same table to DJZ. And I was like, oh, how much for this DVD? DJ's he's like oh it's 20 bucks and I pulled out a 20 and handed him it <laughs> and Moose looks at me he goes you said you didn't have money man and I said sorry about it and just walked off I'm not gonna pay 
$10 for a selfie with an impact, a 2016 mid-card impact champion. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's no, when you I, had the I, fucking I, owl on the logo. Yeah, I did offer to pay for a selfie with Jeff Cobb, and he wouldn't take the money, which was cool of him. Uh, okay. We went to... Yeah, we went to StarCast and, uh, well, we went to All In and then we just wandered into StarCast at the last day. And I'm just, we were wandering in and out of restricted areas, <laughs> just not really caring because what are they going to kick us out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I walked up on Jeff Cobb and he, and I, or excuse me, I used to be in a like Facebook group with his brother uh, who would just talk him up and we would rib the kid. Like, yeah, you don't know anybody in wrestling for real. Get the fuck out of here. Well, then Jeff Cobb's on TV, like, oh shit, like he's legit. So I just walked up on him and you know, told him the story. There wasn't anybody at his table. I said, hey man, I just let you know, you know, your brother's a good kid. You know, he's been talking you up and about thanks for your time. You know, how much for a selfie? And he said, dude, don't even worry about it. Get on in here. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. That's badass. That's badass. I've only like Moose is the only uh bad experience I've had meeting somebody. Like, I mean, I've had awkward encounters with like Davey Redfords a couple of weeks ago. I like went up to him and I was like, Oh, big fan, man. Even though I've never seen any of his matches, I was just sweet talking <laughs> him. I was like, oh, I'm a huge fan, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you have any stickers? Because that's like the one piece of merch I'll always buy if somebody has it. And he like pulled out an 8 by 10 He's like, put some scotch tape on the back of it and it's a sticker. And I just like looked at him and laughed. I went, ha, 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 and just walked away. I was like, I'm not, I don't know what to say at that. Like, sorry, I don't like you enough to get an 8 by 10 See, I've bought one 8 by 10 in my life, and that's because Mance Warner had those 8 by 10s made to say WCW 1991 Rookie of the Year. Yeah, see, that's different. That's different. <laughs> I've bought – I used to buy 8 by 10s all the time, but it's just now that I've grown up, I'm like, one, there's nowhere to put them in my room. Right. Two, it's just – like, I don't know. I bought my dad a Ricky Steamboat 8 by 10, though, and that was cool. My dad was so ecstatic about that because <laughs> I, like, went up to the picture – I went to get my picture and I actually asked Stepstool Sarah, I was like, Hey, can you take our picture? Blah, blah, blah. She's like, yeah, sure. And then I got an autograph and I was like, Oh, all right. Can you put it to Greg? And Sarah goes, I thought your name was Jacob. And I looked at her, I said, it's for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want her to think that I didn't know my name, but I was like, it's for my dad. But like Steamboat, I got so starstruck talking to him because I had my Terry Funk shirt my friend made. And he like started talking to me. He's like, oh, Terry Funk, I could never do a death match like him, blah, 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 just going on and on. And I was just staring at him. And I like uttered out the words arm drags or something to him. I was just like arm drags. <laughs> yeah, Mance Warner, dude, he had uh, – I, I, I knew of him. I knew who he was. This was like 2017. And he – we're at this charity show in uh, Lafayette, Indiana called Dynamite Cup. And – he comes out, I'm sitting near the curtain, and for some reason, he locks eyes with me and starts, like, working off me. Now, at the time, I didn't really even have any Twitter followers. I'm like, why the fuck is this guy coming at me like this? But it's, it's a charity show. There's a lot of kids there and special needs people. So, like, we're having fun with it. I'm kind of drawing with him and whatnot. And don't see him again forever. A year later, same venue. He comes out. By this point, he's baby-faced man of the people, man's Warner. Yeah. And he's, he comes out, and there's an empty chair next to me. And he gets up and stands on the chair and is leaning on me, like pointing at me and taunting the camera and shit. I'm like, what are we doing with our lives right now? <laughs> so I just start doing it too. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, man, it's water. He's going to beat some ass. Well, uh, they cut it from the video. I was so excited for it to get released, and then it didn't make the cut. Oh, that's a bummer. 
That's yeah, a but since, since then, every time I see him, he's like, oh, thanks for helping me out, brother. <laughs> That's awesome. That's real cool. I had Beef recognize me from uh, Anarchy. I went to some, like, shindy. I'll just be, like, I'm not going to hold any uh, remorse on them. They're a shindy. They were shitty. Right. They, the, I went there with my friend because uh, my friend was there, and I was like, yeah, I'll go to the show with you. I like wrestling. Why not? And it was like a three-hour drive. We get there. I'm sitting in the chairs waiting for the show to start. And the promoter came up to me and he's like, you know how to ref kid? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and I was like, no, I have no training. He's like, he's like, I'll give you a ref shirt and a free promo pick if you ref tonight. And I was like, what? <laughs> I literally looked at him. I was like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not interested in any of that. But then beef was in the main event. And like me and him were talking before the show and like all of that. And he came out and he, there was like a spot in the match where he got taken out the ring. And he ended up rolling over next to me. He's like, you're going to help me up, Jake? And I was like, help you out. And he's like, yeah, help me up. And I was like, sure, I guess. And then <laughs> that's that. And then I messaged him a few weeks later. And I was like, oh, you're going to be at Anarchy. I haven't seen you since. Said promotion. He's like, he's like, yeah, I'll be at Anarchy, but I'm never wrestling for that place again. I'm never wrestling for that, uh, <laughs> that shindy again. And I was like, oh, shit, okay. Well, glad I know I don't have to go there again. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've had two kind of fun fan interaction type things at shows. There was, I think it was last year, maybe the beginning of this year, I, I was factored into the tag title finish at Paradigm. <laughs> there was this, uh, I think it was the Rejects needed a door, and they were in the ring. And he's like, hey, man, would you give me that door? <laughs> Fuck it, why not? You know, they know me well enough at Paradigm, or I knew it would be an issue for me to get close to the ring on all that yeah but then they end up using it in the finish so i'm like all right well i'm claiming my third of these tag titles <laughs> free bird rule <laughs> yeah and then uh about two years ago i was doing a podcast called songs with friends yeah and i was just kind of we we're at bizarro me and kelly at her first show and uh calvin tankman's coming out to hell mary tupac and i'm just kind of vibing in the crowd you know just wrapping along as we do and uh, I look up and Nick Iggy was the champion. He's looking me dead in the eye. He said, what are you doing? This song's not even on Songs with Friends. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Thanks, man. I love that. I love that. I had one encounter with ACH at a show once. And I used to always tell my guests after the show, but it's in the past now. I'm of age to drink now, so it's okay. But I used to not be of age to drink. And I used to drink at shows. And I went up to ACH's table once with uh, a cup of beer. It was like my fifth or sixth on the night. And I'm sitting there talking to him. And I literally almost spilt the beer. Like, I almost dropped it on his table. So instead, I, like, smacked it as hard as I could to the ground. Beer went everywhere. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, you're not 21, are you? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, and everyone was like, oh, I can't believe you spilled beer everywhere. I'm like, it was either on the floor or all over ACH's merch. And I'm right. not dealing with that. I am not dealing with all of that. Oh, absolutely not. You do not want that smoke at all. No, but ACH, it was funny because he remembered me from the previous show. And he's like, you weren't 21 then. You sure hell ain't 21 now. <laughs> and then I ended like that show. I regret every night or every bit of that show because I was walking around just being a drunk mess at fucking age 19 and like going up to like wrestlers. And I'm like, where's the after party? And they're like, I don't think you can get into the after parties tonight, bud. And I was like, <laughs> all right. Then I ended up getting a ride home, but like I woke up the next morning. I was like, God damn, I'm never getting drunk at a wrestling show again. Yeah. I did it once and I don't recommend it. And we were <laughs> drinking four locos like idiots too. My, my buddy got kicked out. Uh, I, I disrupted the main event by telling uh, 
we were talking about tough enough. Uh, skin marks was in the main event. Yeah. And I was on his ass that night for reasons that still just, I don't know why just, <laughs> he was my target. And uh, there's kind of a, a lull. And I just, for some reason, yelled out, why don't you just go home and kill yourself? <laughs> and the, re- the referee stopped what he was doing, turned around and looked at me and said, dude, really? Meanwhile, there's a false finish happening behind him that he missed. And uh, yeah, the next weekend uh, I found his opponent on Facebook and I messaged him. I was like, dude, I am so sorry. I was an asshole there. Like, yeah, the dude wasn't doing great, but me heckling the shit out of him wasn't helping. My bad. <laughs> Please accept this apology. At Anarchy a couple weeks ago, uh, I had one person come up to me and they came up with a fucking Jack Daniel shot. They're like, here, take this for your birthday. I was like, all right, sure, took it. And then I guess word got around that I spent my 21st birthday during a pandemic. So that whole night, people were coming up to me with beer and shots. And I kept on, I was like, no, I'm good. I appreciate it. But one, I work in the morning. Two, I know there's going to be. I know there will be issues tonight if I get too drunk. I know I'll probably do what you did and just heckle the fuck out of fans or out of uh, wrestlers and fans now are, probably. Now are you planning on doing SCI this year? No, I was going to go, but then money became tough. So I uh, I actually messaged uh, the SCI account. They said they donated my ticket to uh, a fan that has health issues and couldn't afford okay. it, so they donated it to him. So I, and I told them, I said, I don't want a refund. I just want to donate my ticket really. Yeah, Don't cool. need to do the calls. But no, I was looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, talk about getting recognized. It's one of those places where you will meet people that you didn't realize had any idea who you were. Uh, I got, I've made more friends just in the line waiting to check into the hotel. Yeah. Than I have anywhere else the last few years. It's quite ridiculous. No, I was looking real forward to that. But at Anarchy, the one person that like, automatically reckon well actually whenever i was walking to the line i just got done recording a podcast with chase mm-hmm. and i was walking up to the line to get in and then like people started chanting my name like five people and i was like all right guys knock this off like this ain't cool and then <laughs> i stood in line and right in front of me was klein and he turned around and he did that uh last dance meme where he hugged me and he goes fuck you bitch <laughs> 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 he's like i told you i was gonna do it and i was like all right all right but no, like I no met- <laughs> Yeah, I met Klein at the bathroom at SCI. It was my first encounter with him. <laughs> uh, hey, one of his kids was at the urinal, just, you know, like little boys are. They're little hellions. And uh, he's like, hey, man, I can make him stop if you need this. So, no, dude, you're good. But he said, at the time, my Twitter handle was Steve Dub RN. He said, you're Steve Durbin, right? <laughs> it's like, fuck it, close enough. No, it's like, it's hilarious because like the past year i've slowly transitioned from people calling me jake to squints i just because it's i'm trying to make that a brand so it's so funny people coming up to me, oh what's up uh, what's up squints what's up squints i'm like all right now this is just this is crazy but my favorite was whenever i was walking to the concession stand and like i felt somebody tug on my arm and i turned around like who the fuck's tugging on my arm and i turned around and it was j rails he's like you're not gonna say what's up and i was like oh you know me (laughs) okay (laughs) But no, SEI, it looked like it was going to be so fun. And then I just keep on seeing uh, Ben posting like updates on it. I'm like, oh man, I, next year I'm going to, I'm going to start saving money now to go. Yeah. I, I mean, I think this year is going to be a down year. A lot of the regulars aren't there. I mean, I have no doubt that they're still going to put on a good show and that it's going to be yeah. a good experience. Uh, just different from what we're used to the last few years. But yeah, I wholeheartedly support everything those guys have done. 
they really go out of the way to make it a, a good experience, both at the show and with uh, events surrounding the show. So exactly. yeah, anybody, anybody listening, I recommend you have that experience at least once. I've done it three times, I believe. Well, like uh, the way Ben's been doing it, he's like, so at this time, we're going to all have a dinner before the show. This time we're going to have SEI prom, hot dog eating contest, this and that. And I'm like, that sounds like, it just sounds like it's just one big giant, like, it sounds like a more less problematic version of the collective. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's it, typically... We won't have access to the hotel conference room this year. That's usually kind of where everything happens. Just yeah. having everybody kind of staying at the same place and we can wander in and out of the room. We pretty much have run of that room all weekend to do whatever. Yeah. In addition to the shows, like we've had the prom there before. The prom was kind of a a joke between myself and Brittany that got a life of its own. And now it's an official, like recognized event that still just blows my mind. Yeah. Uh, the, the first year they did the prom, it got out of control so fast, and I'm still not sure why. Just out of note, everything was kind of chill, and then they played fucking Party in the USA. <laughs> and something about that song, it was almost like Zoolander when he hears the trigger song. You know? <laughs> Just, it got out of control so fast. Was that the year Nick Gage was there at SEI yes. prom? <laughs> yeah, Nick. Yeah, but you look, Mance Warner comes in with a pillowcase full of uh, light beers. Like a drunken oh. Santa Claus. <laughs> Nick Gage wandering in and out. It's just, man, it was it was insane. That's what it sounds like. It like I've heard stories of that specific year and people just saying it was just nuts. <laughs> just crazy. Yeah, I would I, like do like 4 a.m. I'm wandering the corridors of this hotel and find that somebody appears to be getting gang chopped. Just his shirtless, his back's to the wall, and people were just surrounding him, chopping the shit out of him. And I remember looking over and saying, well, that's not my problem. And just well, kept going and walked across the street to the Speedway to get a Gatorade to get my second wind. Yeah. Hope to God that the police don't see me under surveillance camera. Don't ask me about it. Nope, I'm just going to walk across the sketchy field. Hope I don't step on a snake or anything and get myself some nutrition. My, uh... Going back to drunk wrestling fans, there is this one guy at, uh, you said second wind and it brought, it reminded me this one kid or not kid, one guy, I call everybody a kid. This one guy at an anarchy show, he got so incredibly fucked up in the first half of the show. And he was like, just chanting all sorts of shit. He was like, at one point he started chanting, shut the back door, which I was confused about. And I was like, that's not even like an insult or a heckle. <laughs> that's just, you're just blurting things out at this point. But he's like, running around like wailing his arms and then at intermission i look over and he's laying down on four seats taking a nap and then like second what's it called uh second half of the show starts sure shit he's walking back to the bar and he's still chanting and shit and i was like good god flat uh fast forward a couple months later me and friends go to a bar to watch uh SummerSlam, and i hear this one fucker behind me chanting all sorts of shit at a tv and i turn around and it's the same guy and i looked at my friends i was like we gotta go I was like, we need to get out of here before I say something to him. That's ridiculous. Like, I get having a drunk good time, but like, if you're chanting random shit that has nothing to do, like, shut the back door. I was like, what do you, what? One of my favorite kind of SEI fan heckle stories, the guy in front of us, uh, I know his name. I'm not going to put it out there in case he doesn't want the story out. <laughs> yeah. He just kept, it's the first time he'd seen Gary J. 
and he just keeps, I don't know why, just kind of like I was with skid marks that time. I hate you, Gary J. You're nothing, Gary J. Just having a good time. And then Gary wins, and he turns around to us. We didn't know this guy at the time. He turns around and says, it's my first time seeing Gary J. He's not bad. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell? But then the the next match is Matt Riddle. And he starts it on Riddle. And he's like, I can't. Like, that dude can kick my ass. <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> That's awesome. That's hilarious. My first time meeting Gary J, I bought a shirt from him and he autographed it. And I said something along the lines of, I was like, oh, man, now I can't wash it. And he looked at me and goes, I've never done my laundry. It's overrated, kid. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> it was the funny. He goes, I've never done my laundry. <laughs> I was like, all right, this guy rolls. <laughs> No, I was showing my little brother, uh, or no, my little brother was watching our uh, Ultimate Fighter. That's it, the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, Matt Riddle, he used to be in UFC." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh, I thought he's only done wrestling." I was like, "To my knowledge, he's only done pro wrestling recently, like last yeah. five years." But my little brother was like, "Oh, why did he uh, quit UFC?" And then we went down the rabbit hole of Google and found out it's because of him smoking and. My little brother being the little innocent middle schooler, he still thinks if you smoke weed, you're on the same level as a heroin addict. He's like, oh, man. Oh, man. I can't believe he smokes. I'm like, yeah, what a shame. What a shame. Well, even even back then, he was very clearly high all the time. I mean, his name was Chipper on the show because he had that stupid-ass smile on his face the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, he's always been that way, too, because I remember when he was at NXT or whatever, when they did the whole new signee gets shown in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And he was just eyes closed, smiling ear to ear. And I was like, God damn, he must have that uh, clause in his contract where he just pays the fine up front. Yeah, I've watched him smoke and it's something. It's uh, I'm not going to get too deep into the man's business. But yeah, he, he can put it back. Jesus. that's all. <laughs> So I have a story about smoking. I wasn't partaking because I don't smoke, but we were at a show mm-hmm. and it was like uh, after set up and we were waiting for doors to open and me and my friends are all in the ring truck and they're all smoking and Jake Roberts walks by and he goes, Hey, Hey, security's coming. Security's coming. So all my friends put it up real quick. And he goes, gotcha. And walked away. And we're like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? That was the greatest thing ever. And everyone's like, Oh, Jake just ribbed us. And I was like, yeah, he did. God damn. <laughs> but I have a segment I want to do that I was supposed to, I've done this segment was climb before. It stopped. We're, me and Klein have recorded probably three episodes and none of them ever saved. Oh, and man. It's, now it's just a running joke that it's just never going to happen. But this is just me asking your opinion on a series of wrestlers and topics. And sure. just quick and short, I guess you could say. What is Steve's opinion on Jamie Noble? Jamie, by God, Noble, the baddest motherfucker in the trailer park. Now, I was fortunate enough to be in the crowd when he won the Ring of Honor title from CM Punk in 2005. So yeah, that alone will give Jamie Noble a hard thumbs up from me. Uh, something that did kind of skew that was uh, hearing an interview with, uh, I think it was Samoa Joe years later, where he said that Jamie Noble was up in the balcony during the Joe versus Kobashi match. Yeah. And that Jamie thought it was fucking 1942. Or- <laughs> he said, you beat his ass. Do it for America. Along with some things I can't repeat here for fear of getting canceled finally. But finally. I mean, Jamie, I mean, his last match 
where he put over Sheamus and he took that stiff ass power bomb to the outside. I mean, Jamie's a tough bastard who's underrated. Also well, that- a, also a, uh, he's a pioneer in insurance fraud for trying to claim Wortman's count for getting a steroid shot infected. So kudos to that. That's awesome. <laughs> I remember Jamie Noble being in the J and J security thing with Rollins. And yes. do you remember when Brock like spared him into the uh, barricade and like punctured one of his lungs or whatever? Like he fucked Jamie Noble yeah. up, and then he was back that on was TV a, the next week. That was in Indianapolis, man. I was there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, my daughter's first WWE show. That's badass. <laughs> I want Steve's opinion on modern day Ring of Honor. Uh, I don't know anything about modern day Ring of Honor, and I hate to admit that. Uh, I go back and forth with uh, Ian Riccoboni quite a bit on Twitter. He follows me uh, and I like his work, but by and large, I'm just not, I, I know the Briscoes are still there. I've seen bits and pieces of the show. Uh, it appears to be better now than it was three years ago when the fucking bullet club guys were just running rampant. Uh, but yeah, I I'm an old school ROH guy. To me, it just doesn't quite have the same soul as it used to. So I've bought the last two or watched the last two pay-per-views because I have a honor club or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So I've watched the last two events, I think, or I watched final battle and then I watched whichever one just happened. And I just genuinely cannot get behind it. I don't know why. I think it's because they're like a mix between sports entertainment and pro wrestling. They're like the most sports entertainment independent promotion out there. I feel like to me, it kind of feels like, the most recent, the feedback I got from the people who really are still up on the product was this show just ran kind of long and got boring or the work was good, but there was just, you, know, you hit a threshold. Yeah. Yeah. There was a one spot in a last man standing match with uh, Silas Young and some other guy. I don't know his name, unfortunately, but it was a last man standing match and the finish was like uh a suplex off the apron or German suplex off the apron through two tables, which I thought was cool. Cause you never see the German off the apron work, but it was through two tables. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And it was like Silas Young's first time losing a last man standing match. And his first time losing a match at this specific pay-per-view. So that was, that was cool to me. Best in the I world think, was the pay-per-view. I think. Yeah. I think the last, I used to go regularly and I think the last time I went was 2011. So yeah, I'm way out of the loop. I was a whole lot of 2005, 2006. I was in the crowd during the WrestleMania 2006 weekend shows. And get this, man. It was buy three, get one free ticket sale. Or buy three, get one free, excuse me. And third row was $25. So me and my ex-wife went to both shows. Total combined cost of $75. And we saw the blood generate, you know, the Dragon Gate six man. We saw... Homicide and Colt Cabana. We saw it with the fucking fans throwing chairs into the ring. We saw so much good wrestling that weekend for $75. That's badass. That's incredible. <laughs> I didn't know independent shows ran shows during Mania Weekend back then. I thought that was something that just kind of slowly started happening. No, Ring of Honor should get the credit for that. They did it in 2004 because uh, it was New York City area. So they yeah. were already running there. And then 2006, Chicago was in Norway City. And then yeah. since then, they've done it every weekend. And I think it was around 2010 that it kind of became a its own thing, where all the indies started just coming to town. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a whole industry now. Yeah. I want Steve's opinion on 
2012 SummerSlam, because I've seen you hype it up on Twitter before. 2012 SummerSlam? I've hyped up 2013 SummerSlam. That might have been the one I was thinking. Okay. I, say, I can't even remember. Uh, 2012 SummerSlam was uh, Punk and Cena and Big Show or something. Yeah, I barely remember yeah. that one. 2013 <laughs> was an incredible show. That's uh, CM Punk, Brock Lesnar, mm-hmm. where Brock gave Punk way more than you would expect. Uh, a criminally slept on Alberto Del Rio versus Christian match. This is probably the best Del Rio ever did. But, but the main event, big match, John, John Cena against Daniel Bryan. Put that tiny little technical wrestler over clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring. 30 minutes of action. Just great stuff all around. 2013 and 2014, I think, are all-time great SummerSlam shows. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I went to 2014 survivor series and that like back into 2014 was just on fire yes like from SummerSlam till like mid 2015 just wwe was actually like on fire and then rollins got injured so that shelved him and then all of that but no 2013 through like 15 was real good especially for SummerSlams. yeah funny thing about that is i remember i think it was the july 2014 show was kind of not great it was okay, I think. Uh, but people were just rabidly complaining online that, well, because the network's only $10 now, this is the kind of shows we're going to get from here on out. And then SummerSlam 2014 was this incredible show. Mm-hmm. Like, you fuckers, you fuckers don't know the pain of having to pay $45 for Judgment Day 98 or whatever. Yeah. Not, not even getting a finish. Like, just let it play out. You know, not every show is going to be a winner. Anytime AEW has a pay-per-view, I'm always like, oh, I can't wait to watch it. And then I like see the price on fight and I'm like, I don't know if $60 is worth it. Like, Same. Just- I can't I can't justify it anymore. I see those and the prices for UFC pay-per-views now. And I just like I gasp. I'm like, there's no way it costs that much for real. Yeah. My little brother, like all due respect to him, he he's a diehard UFC fan, and he usually like watches it on websites and all of that mm-hmm. but then like this last mcgregor fight he's like i'm gonna buy it i'm like all right and he's like oh 70 dollars and i was like yeah it's a big commitment and he bought it he was enjoying the show and then the end of uh mcgregor's fight where his ankle snapped my little bit was like i want my 70 dollars back <laughs> this is stupid and i was like that's why i don't buy them because yep. especially ufc you don't know what's gonna happen it can end in five seconds and you just wasted all that money uh, something I wish AEW did would be to put some of their stuff up, like a la carte, after six months or whatever. Because mm-hmm. I, I still haven't seen Stadium Stampede, but I'm Either not one. paying. No, I, I'd love to see the first one, but I'm not paying pay per view replay prices to watch one match. If you sell me that yeah. match for three or five dollars, I'd pay it. I don't care. That'd be real cool if they did that. That now that I'm thinking about it, like if they just sold matches, like on YouTube. Yeah, have, nine, have 90 days or six months or whatever so people aren't just scooping them up right away. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's a great idea. WWE was doing that for a while. They were putting matches on iTunes uh, yep. after pay-per-views. I, I briefly remember that, yeah. Uh, no, AEW, like, I love their pay-per-views because I, for the most part, watch them on websites and shit, and I think I bought a few. But, like, it's just hard to justify paying $60 every three or four months for a pay-per-view. I'm just like, I don't know how, like now I'm understanding why my parents never bought me pay-per-views as a kid. That's for <laughs> sure. That's definitely for sure. 
Next one is I want Steve's opinion on Lucha Underground. <laughs> I, the only full episode I saw was where Penta wrestled the three women. It was just beating the absolute shit out of Kyrie Sane. <laughs> like it was just the most nuts thing I'd ever seen. Uh, but it was like legitimately a good match. Like they came back on him and they told a good story. Uh, just a little bit I know, you know, they were killing people and bringing it back to life and weird curses and shit. Like I, I couldn't. I, I just, I'm a, I'm a bit of an old grumpy old man in that regard because of my wrestling. You have to have it at least be somewhat believable. And just having having it go full telenovela was too much for me. My favorite thing to heckle uh, Klein about is I'm always like, uh, I actually told him this at Anarchy. I was like, damn, not only do you have the same initials, but you have the same thoughts of Jim Cornette. And he's like, oh, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> because he like, I <laughs> I showed up to Anarchy wearing my Jody shirt just strictly to piss Klein off, just to piss Klein off. And he's like, he looked at my tree, goes, I don't see what you fucking see in that kid. Hearing the future of this business just going on and on. He's like, he's like, once you actually grow some hair on your chin, you'll actually realize he's not good and you'll understand why I have my thoughts. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> See, I, I don't think he's bad. I think he does need to hit the gym more. Like he is so skinny that it gives people who don't want to like him, it gives them a handle immediately. You know, don't give them any reasons to dislike you. Yeah. Take one tool away from them. No, I, I told like I've told Jody this to his face on interviews before. And I'm like, I've never seen a single one of your matches, so I'm not gonna go up to bat like on his in ring because I am to be honest, I'm the worst type of wrestling fan. Like I'll have wrestlers on here and I'll talk about wrestlers, but I'll never see any of their matches. Like when I had Bradley on last night, I was like, all due respect, dude, but I've only seen one of your matches. Like, oh, dude, Bradley's so good. Yeah, like- I love. Match was his uh, clockwork uh, death match against Justice <laughs> at the Collective in Indiana. Yeah, I've been telling anybody who will listen for probably a year now that Bradley Prescott Four is like the guy. Like he he should get signed. I don't know that it will happen because life's not fair. But first time I saw him was at a shitty little building in Indianapolis on Kentucky Avenue, <laughs> and uh, all I knew about him was that he came out with the the Natty Ice. And the finish was a pile driver on a case of Natty. It just, his charisma was just grabbing me. I'm like, I don't know who this kid is, but I love him. And every time I've seen him since then, like he's, you know, the ace of paradigm. So I see him all the time. He wrestled yeah. Jonathan Gresham. He wrestled Jonathan Gresham and held his own. Like I've never seen him in a situation where he didn't fit. Yeah. And the thing is, like he said something, he's like, I don't know if they'd have me because I'd have to get rid of the Natty ice gimmick. And I'm like, looking back on him saying that, I'm like, WWE is so corny. They could literally have him come out with something called Braddy Ice. Like, See, I'm, he doesn't even need that. Just the whole, the gist of being kind of the like the Asher Roth song. Be that guy. Just exactly. Be, be kind of the college douchey guy, and just have fun with it. Yeah, he could roll with that. I love this story in I think it was Bizarro, where that they got rid of James C. Businessman, and the new owner was Bradley Prescott Fourth because he finished. He got his associate's degree finally. That's, awesome. that's, that's so silly and stupid, but I love it. You know, he, he made it work. No, exactly. He, uh, I was like, I was like, all right, what picture do you want me to use for the graphic I put? He's like, go on my Twitter or Instagram and find whatever you can. And I was just scrolling. I had endless options, but I eventually chose the one of him 
holding like four cases of uh, Natty Light, and I was like, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Next topic is, what is Steve's opinion on Damien Sandow? <laughs> I don't want to shit on Damien Sandow because I used to know Damien Sandow, and he's a nice guy. Uh, I wrestled in OVW for a bit in like 2006 and he was always super cool to me. He was, it was right at the time he was getting called up with uh, Casey James to SmackDown. It's how long ago this was. Uh, I liked the idea of Damien Sandow intellectual prick in WWE uh, with a chocolate briefcase and a quill pen and all that silly shit that came with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love stunt double. Damien Sandow. Uh, Post WWE Aaron, uh, I got no use for that guy. He's okay, but he's doing absolutely nothing these days that captivates me in any way. He's one of those guys that I like. He's perfect for WWE, but not fit for the Indies. What's funny is when he's in OVW, I didn't even think he was perfect for WWE because his look was off at the time. Yeah, he was clean shaven, had kind of the wet hair, almost like Easy E. He uh, he was wearing Nova's old pants, and he's like six inches taller than Nova, so it just looked bad. Yeah, doing, doing like this Playboy thing where he had two women, and it just it wasn't him. And then he goes away for a while, and he comes back as Sandow. I'm like, all right, this works. Like if he can keep doing this, he was so committed to that gimmick, like, he made me a believer. And yeah, post WWE. Uh, he just does not fit in that landscape. No. Uh, he, him and Miz won the tag titles at the Survivor Series I was at. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the loudest like pops I've heard for like a title win. That was nuts. Like that was incredible. I loved that. That or whenever uh, the Rhodes, they beat the Shield at a random Raw that was in St. Yes. Louis. That was one of the loudest pops ever. That was badass. It was unfortunate though because we bought our tickets. And they like right after we bought our tickets, they started changing the stage design at Raw. So we went from being right next to the stage to like behind the stage. So we could see the ring, but not the stage. And it was so, (laughs) it was so aggravating. Like when Big Show did his run and we couldn't see who it was running to the ring until they were literally in the ring. My first Raw taping, I was 13 years old. And it was, I don't know how much older wrestling you watch. But it was the first one where they did the had the big letters in the aisle for R A W. Yeah, so it was yeah. the first time they did, it was the first time they did that. And my little dumbass, I thought, oh, they tricked us. This isn't really a Monday Night Raw taping. What are those? <laughs> like this isn't how it's supposed to look. No, it was it was a live Raw the night after in your house too. I only remember that Raw stage because I had like a OMG DVD top fifty OMG moments in WWE or something. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, one on there about how Sabu went to jump off the R and, like, completely ate shit. Yeah, he did. <laughs> like, I forgot the full story on it, but I just, like, it, he went to jump off of it and he could just completely missed and just smacked off the ground. And I'm just like, good hey, God. Because it's just like a freestanding, like, <laughs> almost like a cardboard contraption. Yeah. Like, it's, not meant, it's not meant to base for somebody. And, yeah, it gave away when he went to jump off and he just kind of fell down like an asshole. Oh. Uh, what was I going to say? I re- my only like old time role set that I for real remember is the Manhattan Center because that's where I see a lot of old like uh, videos from. 
And when Raw 25 said they were going to do a simulcast there, I was like, oh, that's going to be awesome. And then they did like one match at the Manhattan Center and dropped the ball on that. Somebody speculated that they wanted to put their most obnoxious fans in the Manhattan Center and just keep them away from the real Raw that night. I don't think that's what happened, but I, I love the thought. I remember that show. I remember me and my friends, we get together for pay-per-views and we got together for Raw 25. We're like, oh, this is going to be a big night. This is going to be awesome. Can't wait. And then just, I remember like all of us leaving my friend's house and we're like, this shit sucked. Like they just dropped the ball (laughs) on Raw 25. And that's coming from somebody that was at like Raw 1000. So I had like high expectations because that was a true uh, milestone episode of Raw. Oh, absolutely. Roll 1000 was my favorite show I've been to with um, the whole rock coming out. I started a boots to asses chant. That was cool. I uh, got spoiled on Undertaker showing up because of the John Cena's Make-A-Wish kid. I ran into him at the concession stand. <laughs> and I forgot his name, but I was like, I was like, oh, hey, man, I'm glad you made it after the show. I'm happy for you, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I got to meet the wrestlers backstage. You want to see? And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like scrolling through pictures and he scrolled right past him and fucking mark calloway and i was like he's not announced for tonight and his mom's like oh buddy you're not supposed to show people that one and i was like uh, on, i man. hope his la- i hope his last wish was to fuck up the show for you he did because when undertaker came <laughs> out like everybody's cheering and i was just sitting in my seat i was just like this ain't this ain't even fun i was like it would be fun if i was surprised but now i have to sit through fucking 10 minutes of undertaker walking when yeah, i knew the it was guy gonna ne- happen <laughs> The guy next to me at the 2009 Rumble did that for Rob Van Dam. He'd been gone for like a year and a half. And we we're third row. I'm, I drove six hours by myself to get to the show in Detroit. And this guy's like, oh, man, Drew's going to be here? I'm like, well, it doesn't mean you so far, pal. He said, no, man, Rob Van Dam. I'm like, well, fucking thanks, guy. How about you shut up the rest of the night? How about you just shut up the rest of the night? <laughs> I've said I've been sat next to some obnoxious people at wrestling shows before, and it'll put a damper on your night. Like it'll put a yeah. whole damper on your night, man. Like I remember, yeah, I wrestling went, wrestling fans quit being yourself. That's my advice. No, exactly. I remember uh, Raw One Thousand very vividly. We were sitting outside for like three hours because this was our first show. We didn't know you. Yeah could just get in we thought you had to wait for some reason <laughs> so we sat outside st louis summer heat fucking sun bearing down on us my stepmom fucking fell out from the heat almost like it was a disaster oh, no. <laughs> yeah she's like she gets real bad around heat like she like literally had to sit down she's like i think i'm gonna pass out and i was like fuck man like we have to miss roll because you can't you can't handle heat i'm gonna be mad but like the fans like that stereotypical just no one wearing deodorant that's what it was no one around us was wearing deodorant and then just everyone started chanting, let us in at 4 p.m. And I was like, let us in. I was like, you want to sit in your seat for three hours? Like, that was just a disaster. And then just the fans around us, because it was Roll 1000, so there was a bunch of mega marks around us. It was just a disaster. And I went to uh, WrestleMania in Dallas. And we got in right before apparently everything malfunctioned at the gates. So we could see a bunch of people like in the section to be let in for their floor seating, but they couldn't be scanned in. And these motherfuckers are just fired up. Let us in. Let us. <laughs> and after I am with my chili dog going, well, it sucks to be you, pals. Should have woke up earlier like we did. Man, I don't know what I would have done at Mania this year if I would have went. And then like finding out there's a rain delay. 
because oh, that man. one that messed up my whole night because I told myself I was like all right I haven't drank in a while it's mania I'll drink and then there was like a fucking hour long delay so I was catching a buzz by the first match and then by the time of the main event I was drunk and I was like this is not supposed to be happening it's <laughs> like this sucks at the WrestleMania where Roman wrestled Undertaker I got stupidly drunk alone in my living room. I had a buddy that was there, but he had to work the next day. So he left like an hour before the main event started. Mm -hmm. So imagine being in that state and you're seeing the Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton match with the maggots and stuff. I had no idea what was happening. I'm like, is this real life? Did I fall asleep? What the fuck is going on in my life right now? Like, this is like the last scene they show before the intervention on that show. This is not good. I, what's it called, going back to you saying you drink four locos, now I have a reason to tell this story. <laughs> take over the very first War Games, take uh, NXT War Games or whatever match. Me and my buddy in my college dorm thought it would be fun to get drunk. And all I had was like a half a bottle of vodka. And I was like, well, if we want to get drunk, let's just drink this straight. Let's just pass the bottle back and forth. 19 years old, like I said, stupid. So then my one friend, he's like, hey, I'm on my way. You need me to bring anything? And I was like, I have $10 for you. Get as many four locos as you can with $10. And he's like, you sure? And I was like, yes. (laughs) And he's like, all right. So he showed up. We're in my dorm. I pounded that first one. And then at this point, like, I just remember very vividly, just like stumbling around my uh, dorm room, like just like drunk, drunk nonsense. And then I grabbed the uh, second one and drank about half of that before I passed out. Like they just told me you have to go to bed. Like you just need to lay down. (laughs) I wake up and it's like three in the afternoon and I wake up and everyone's just standing around looking at me because I'm sleeping on a <laughs> mattress on my bed or on my living room floor. Now like wake up. I'm like, Hey guys, what's up? And they're like, go behind the couch. And I was like, go behind the couch. And I was like, fuck, did I puke? And I go back there. I'm like, I don't see anything. And I was like, Oh no, is that a wet spot? And they're like, yeah, Jake. Oh. And I was like, what, what happened? What happened that night is, I pulled the couch off the wall and pissed on my wall for whatever reason when the bathroom was right across the hallway. And here's the kicker. There was somebody sleeping on that couch. So I pulled the And I like, my last words to them before I started peeing was, I'm just peeing. (laughs) And then that night, I also, what's it called, apparently went into my bedroom and Went to find something out of my pockets, but ended up like dumping my friend's change out of his pockets on accident. Like it was just, I woke up and all my friends were like, all right, well, you're never drinking again, or you're never drinking four locals again. And I was like, all right, all right. And then like I found that half four loco sitting in my fridge and I went to grab it. And they're like, you're pouring that down the drain, right? And I was like, I guess. <laughs> but that was by far like I'll never touch a four loco again because stories about four locals are true. Yeah, I, I drink it twice. The first time, was uh i was in nursing school i needed a 74 percent to pass anatomy and physiology i got a 74.31 so i'm like hell yeah i'm gonna celebrate today so on the way home keep in mind it's the only class i had all day so it's like 10 30 in the morning i'm driving home i stop and pick up two four locos i drank the first one like all right yeah this will do it man it's it's a whole different mindset when you're in that state of mind watching fucking prices. Right. Like I, I don't recommend being drunk during the showcase showdown. It's you start questioning every decision you've ever made. 
So I'm in this haze and I'm yelling, you know, you dumb bitch. You think the pork and beans are $7? Fuck you. <laughs> but then I remembered I still had an English paper I had to type up. This is the last day of the semester. <laughs> so in my drunken state, I pounded on an argumentative research paper about whether or not professional wrestling should be regulated. And I got a 97% on it. So thanks for local for the assist on that one. That's hilarious. My college dorm, it was a, so like it wasn't even a dorm. It was a four bedroom apartment, which was badass. It had the living room, a kitchen, and then four yeah. bedrooms, two baths. It was badass, but it was a dry campus. So even if you were of age, you couldn't have any alcohol, no nicotine, no, nothing on campus. And I, what's it called? One night I went out to a friend's house and I was like, Hey, do you need this? And it was a bottle of Jack. And he's like, no, I'm like, all right, cool. I'll take it to my dorm tonight. And my dumb ass didn't drink it. I left it on my coffee table in the living room. And in dorms, they like to do random room checks. So it's like 11 a.m. I hear kunk, 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 room check. And I said, hold on. I'm putting my clothes on because I realized it started clicking. I was like, fuck, I have a bottle of Jack on my coffee table. Boom, 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 room check coming in. I was like, God damn it. So I run out there shirtless, wearing gym shorts. And I go to grab it. As soon as I reach for it, they open the door. And I'm like, fuck. And he goes, hmm, Mr. Noble, what is that? And I looked at him. I said, you're not a fucking idiot. You know what it is. And he's like, all right. And then he gets on the fucking phone. He's like, yeah, Jefferson County uh, College Police Department, we need you at room 424 right now. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, dude, we can just pour this down the drain or like right. we can, there's other ways around this. So then the cops show up and they're like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna search your apartment head to toe. And I was like, okay. <laughs> at, at this time, my roommate was doing illegal stuff. And right. He had it all in my mini fridge and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, this is going to fucking suck. This is going to ruin my life. Like I'm going to get fucking taken out of my community college dorm room in handcuffs. Like this is the lowest point of my life right now. And I'm just sitting there on the table or on the couch and I'm texting my one friend. I'm like, Hey, your dad's a cop. I'm just going to throw you under the bus and say, I stole it from your house. And he's like, he's like, oh, sure. So <laughs> they walk in. Or they, they walk in, they ask me where I got it from. And I was like, oh, I got it from Officer So-and-So's house. And they're like, oh, is that so? And I was like, yep. And they're like, all right. So they called my friend's dad. They're like, hey, we're sitting with one of your friend's son, Jacob Noble, blah, blah, blah. What do you want us to do? And they're like, and they, thank God my friend's dad. He goes, oh, just pour it down the drain. I know that'll make him suffer more watching you pour alcohol down a the drain. Nice. They come in, they're like, we're not going to give you an MIP. We're just going to pour it down the drain. But we do need to search for other stuff in the apartment, see if you have any other alcohol laying around. And I'm like, all right, yeah, you do that, man. And they checked. I should, you know, they checked everywhere but my mini fridge. Don't know why they didn't check the mini fridge. That's where most people keep alcohol, I'd assume. Yeah. But they like walked out. They're like, all right, we didn't find anything. Uh, we're not going to give you a ticket today. Whatever the college campus wants to do to you, they can do. They can give you a ticket. But we're not. It's not going to be on your personal record. But I remember like literally sitting there like thinking I was about to get fucking tossed out in handcuffs. And my other roommate that was there, he sat next to me on the couch. He's like, so, hey, what did they find it? What did they find it? I'm like, shut the fuck up. Don't even speak about it right now. I was like, you're like, it was, it was so terrifying. And I literally like, right when the cops left, I was like, all right, we're getting rid of this now. Like, we can't have this. It was, it was so stupid. The cops didn't need to be cold though. That's what really pissed me off. I was like, the cops do not need to be cold right now. Stories like that made me very glad I did not start college till I was 28. Well, I dropped out that semester, so. 
I was, I, uh, what's it called? That was the first half of the semester. And then the second half of the semester, I realized they don't call your parents when you don't go to school like they do in high school. So then yeah. I just <laughs> didn't go to class. And my parents would call me like, oh, how's school going? I'm like, oh, it's amazing. I love it. And they're like, all right, how's your grades? I'm like, they're all good. I'm passing. This is a breeze. I was unaware they sent my report cards home. <laughs> so like the final week I went to call I'm like, all right, I'm packing my stuff up. I'm going to come home. They're like, all right, you do that. And I packed my stuff up, went home and came home and there's all my report cards on the table. And they're like, so you did good, huh? And I was like, I no, I didn't. I was like, this is, if we're being honest, I'm never going back though. And they're like, well, no, you, you can't go back. They won't let you. And I was like, all right. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it was, college was a, it was a doozy. My roommates got kicked. One of my roommates got kicked out because he, uh, all right, so here's how the story went. My one roommate that I shared a bunk bed with would not take out the trash ever. When they, we would ask, we were like, all right, we took out the trash the past four days. It's your turn. You just mm -hmm. like, it was a rotation and he refused to. So what my roommate decided to do is grab the trash bag and pour it on my friend's bed. And they were, uh, what's it called? Black. And my roommate went to the. Uh, Wait a the, minute, back up. Did you say what's the call that you said black? Like I didn't African American. What... <laughs> no, so. <laughs> anyway, you know, you know the black guys. <laughs> and then the one I shared a bunk bed with was white. So he goes to the what's it called? He goes to the office. And he starts blurting out the N-word. He's like, I'm going to kill them. Bleep. I'm going to kill those bleeps. And oh, they're funny. like, they're like, you can't, you can't do that. So then the cops get called and he goes, oh, fuck you, pig. And it was just a downhill <laughs> spiral from there. So I get home from class and I walk into my dorm and there's four cops in my living room and they all point at me. They're like, get the fuck out now. And I was like, okay, sure. And then they told me the whole story. They're like, all right, well, we're moving your uh, roommate downstairs to a different apartment. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. Very understandable. And he calls me and he's like, Hey, can you bring me my stuff? I, uh, I left some of it on the top of the bunk bed. And I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, yeah, when I see him, I'm going to kick that in words ass. I'm like, all right, Hey, stop that. We're not, we're, the situation's over. Fucking quit, dude. And all I hear is my other roommate say, Oh, what the fuck did you say? And I just hear my friend get cracked in the face over the phone. And I just hurry up and I run. I'm like, well, now I need to see this fight. So I go there and I get there and they're just brawling on the ground. And my friend, the race, not my friend, my roommate is the racist one is getting his fucking yeah. shit kicked. He's just getting pounded in the face. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, well-deserving. I love this. And then once they break it up, my friend, uh, my roommate looks up at me and he's like, he's like, uh, I think I won as his face is all a bloody mess. And I was like, you did not win. I was like, that's not a win, my guy. And then he eventually, what to call it, as we're putting him in handcuffs for fighting, he's yelling out the N-word left and right. And I was like, this guy's a fucking mess. And then they told me, the cops came to my dorm, like, hey, can you bring the rest of his stuff to the police department on campus? We, uh, we're sending him to a psych board. And I was like, yeah, you probably should. That's understandable. And I walk in there and he's like handcuffed to the wall. And he looks at me, he goes, take a picture of this. And I was like, no. He's like, it'll look good on an album cover. And I was like, what? Because he was a SoundCloud rapper at the time. And I oh, like that. Wonderful. And I was just like, what is going 
on right now. It was just a whole mess. And then he got kicked off campus, told he's never allowed back there. And then the cops knew us all by first and last name, which was not good. That was never fun. Whenever I'd be walking around campus and they'd be like, oh, what's up, Jacob? And I'd be like, don't say that. (laughs) You're making me look worse than I am, officer. But yeah, it was, college was a doozy, man. And like, I regret what you call dropping out. But then at the same time, I realized I didn't like college. I liked living on my own. <laughs> yeah, I, I moved out at 19. I didn't know what I wanted to do for a career till my late 20s. Yeah. So I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't start college that early. That would have been a mistake. I would have gone for psychology. At that point, you're pretty much stuck being a social worker unless you want to get a doctorate. Yeah. So yeah, fuck that. That was my thing. I didn't know what I fully wanted at the time in my uh i forgot what they're called the advisors or whatever they were telling me i had to take all these gen eds and i remember very vividly second semester they made me take a photography class and that's whenever i just quit i was like i'm not taking photography this is because i wanted to i told them i wanted to be a sports journalist one day and they put me in photography i guess for whatever reason and that's whenever i just like whenever i left i just packed up my stuff i didn't tell the college i was leaving until i returned my key i was like all right it was a good nine months, but one, I'm homesick. I'm tired of eating ramen noodles and frozen pizza every night. And all right, keep in mind when I started college, I was a full grown adult man married with a child. I still have two stories of getting in trouble in school. Uh, one of them, we they're the same class actually. Uh, can't remember if it was English or literature, one of those, it was the same teacher for both classes. Uh, we had to read our favorite poet poem in front of the class and talk about it. You know, it's 2012 or whatever. Why the hell would I have a favorite poem? So what we did was I got about 10 people together and we decided to do Creed lyrics, you know, the band Creed. Yeah. And for some reason, I decided to do the voice too of Scott Stapp. So I'm up there, you know, court is in session, verdict is in. (laughs) And the teacher's like, all right, enough of your shit. We're going to stop class right now. We had this class once a week. She said, next week, come back, have a poem. I need a citation, no popular music. So during that week, we put together a website, which I believe is still up. It's a horriblepoetry.wordpress.com. And I wrote a poem about shitting your pants. Uh, along with several others, uh, my favorite from that we put together was Haku's Haiku about the former WWF tag team champion. <laughs> so there's video of me in a Peyton Manning jersey in front of the class performing a poem about shitting your pants. That's awesome. And then, uh, what was the other? Oh, uh, we we all had to read a novel. We had a list we could choose from, or we could do, uh, you know, if we picked outside the list, we had to run it by her. Every girl in this class did either Nicholas Sparks or Twilight. So I just, I, I know my tendencies. I put my head down. I'm like, I'm just not going to speak out because I'm going to end up getting yelled at and I'm too old for that. So uh, apparently there's a scene in one of these Twilight novels where the girl gets a cut of some sort and a fan blows the scent in the vampire's direction and gets them all fucking horned up. So the, the girl in front of me, I know nothing of Twilight. I haven't seen the movies. I haven't read the books. She said, hey, Steve, does that ever happen with you and your wife? And because my head's down, I say very loudly so she can hear me. 
Yeah, but just once a month. (laughs) Again, time stops. And like, oh shit, everybody heard that, didn't they? And I got kicked out of class. I'm 30 years old. I had to go speak to the the fucking dean to be allowed back into class. That's awesome. My uh, first day of senior year, of high school, I went to call it had the same math teacher for junior year. And I walked into class and I was like, senior year, boys, this is the day, this is the year. Let's go one more year. <laughs> and I walk in and the teacher walks in. He's like, oh, Mr. Noble. And I was like, oh fuck, here we go. And he goes, he's going on this field and he's like, uh, he goes, he had this fucking red hat that said make math great again. Oh and, fuck me. <laughs> and he walks in and he goes, he goes, I'm here to make math great again. And this is 2016. I started my graduate or senior year in 2016. And this is like prime Trump 2016 election. And I literally raised my hand. He goes, yes, Jacob. And I said, one, take that goofy fucking hat off. Two, you said that last year and math fucking sucks. And then he flipped (laughs) out. (laughs) And everyone's like, oh shit. So this is first hour of senior year. And he pulls me out in the hallway. He goes, you're not going to make a joke of me this year are you and i said what he goes you're not going to make a joke of me are you and i said i don't know what you're talking about dude i'm just trying to get some bits off trying to make my friends laugh and he's like he's like you're not going to talk to me in that way you understand me mr noble and i was like yes sir and he goes you started a war you don't want to start and i said a what And he goes you heard me now go in there and don't speak of this again and he said i started a war so for like the whole year he would like just start shit with me and my group of friends in that class. And everyone was talking and he sent my friend Nate to the office out of like 20 people. He sent my friend Nate to the office and he goes, all right, Nathan, go to the office. And my friend walks out the classroom and I stand up and I pack my bags. He goes, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going to the fucking office too. And he goes, why? And I said, because I can't stand this class. And I was talking as well. I'm snitching on myself. And, I, <laughs> and I'm walking. I like run out the hallway. And I'm like, Nate, Nate. And he turns around. He's like, what'd you get kicked out for? And I said, because we ride together, brother. And we go to the office. <laughs> and my principal's like, my principal goes, I know what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to get out of class. You're going back now. And so the principal walked us back to class. And then we just gave this teacher shit for the whole year. And then the final like two months of school, I missed one day and I came back and we had a substitute and I was like, oh, snap, where's Merle? And everyone's like, oh, dude, yesterday when you were gone, he got fired. And I was like, what? And I was here to miss it. And they're like, yeah, he got fired because of enough complaints. And I was like, and I was here to miss it. And they're like, (laughs) yeah. And then like the whole running joke around school was that first period in 2016 made Merle quit because they told him either resign or we're going to fire you. It's up to you type of deal. Like they gave him the option to resign or to be terminated and he chose resign. But yeah, that's the only like big trouble I got in in high school. That and there was one time I uh, almost got in a fist fight in the middle of class with the wrestling coach as the teacher. <laughs> and that was not fun. Um, me and my friend were arguing over a girl because he started dating my ex and I got in his face and I started screaming at him. And the wrestling coach was the teacher and he pulled me out to the hallway. And he's like, Jacob, you have three weeks until graduation. I'm not going to let you ruin it. And he's like, what you're going to do is you're going to go in there and you're going to tell him to meet you after school 
at your house or his house and then rending it there. And I was like, wait, you're telling me to fight him? He's like, yeah, he got with your ex. That's messed up. Now go in there. And I was like, all right, go. <laughs> I was like, I've never had a teacher tell me to go in there and cut a promo on a kid. Uh, we had a like a large-scale walkout that turned into a mini-riot when I was a ninth grader. The wrestling coach was out there like suplexing people and shit when they were trying to leave. It was no no bueno. We, uh, our principal was like the star wrestler at our high school. So anytime there was a fight and the principal was around, you were fucked because there was one time, <laughs> there was one time the teacher ran, suplexed the kid, tossed him to the ground, and then the kid turned around thinking it was one of the other kid's friends and just turned around and clocked my principal right in the face. And once he realized he punched the principal in the face, he bolted down the hallway. So like during seventh hour, the principal's walking in each room. He goes, is so-and-so in here? Nope. All right. Like just running down. And everyone's like, everyone's like, do you think he's getting suspended? And I was like, I honestly, I think Mr. Snell's going to kick the kid's ass. I don't think he's going to suspend him. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't think he's going to suspend him. I think he's just going to fight the kid. Uh, Dude, we lost a teacher every year in high school to retirement. Like we were just run them off. Until my senior year when the assistant principal got fired for fucking one of the teachers in the photography darkroom. Oh, my. Yeah, our, our high school wasn't good for shit. That's why I didn't go to college for 10 years after I graduated. Yeah, you had to like your, uh, you had a reputation. You didn't need the colleges to find out too soon. <laughs> yeah, it w- wouldn't have been good. In eighth grade, we had a teacher that we couldn't stand. And we went on winter break and we came back. And I was like, oh, where is she? Where's Mrs. Robinson at? Turns out over winter break, she died of cancer and no one knew she had cancer. And that, like, yeah, that was like, being in eighth grade, that was just so bizarre to me. I was like, cancer? What? (laughs) Like, and like, we had that one dickhead kid that said, oh, she deserved it. And I was like, all right, let's pump the brakes real quick. (laughs) That's a little, that's a little too far in my opinion, but each of their own. But yeah, that's the only time I had a teacher like leave in the middle of the year like prime middle or pass away really yeah we had a I don't think we had any teachers die we had I said we'd we'd lose one all the time yeah they had one that got suspended for some reason but yeah nothing nothing too scandalous other than the dark room fuckery uh, my little brother is middle school right now. One of the, or not middle school, high school or something like that. A middle school teacher or the middle school nurse looked a high schooler or something weird like that and got fired. And her husband was like a counselor who's now dating like a, an assistant teacher. Now it's just a whole bizarre situation. Everyone's <laughs> like, what the hell? Because my little brother goes to that school and then my stepmom's a teacher there. So I'm like up to date on all the like, Teacher lounge uh, tea. <laughs> Dude, we uh, we we friended my daughter's. She had the same teacher for kindergarten and first grade. She's in eleventh grade now. That's how long ago this been. But he invited us to a cookout, and they had like a board set up, almost like the fucking NBA draft. Like, all right, we'll give you this kid if you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> Like, look, this kid sucks ass. I don't want him. Like, let's work out future draft pick considerations. If I don't have to deal with this pain-eating little bitch in my classroom this year. Mr. Williams, you're on the clock. You have three minutes. Yeah. 
him and all the other like teacher assistants are sitting there looking at the kids' report cards and discipline. Yeah. Like, no, nah, man, that kid sucks ass. I don't want him. <laughs> I remember in high school on my report card, I had like an F, and my mom was like, "All right, well, we're taking your phone." And I was like, "All right, jokes on you, bitch. I have another phone, anyways." And I had like this other phone that could only be used on Wi-Fi, and I would use it just to text my friends and all that here and there. Well, I got caught in class with, with, it one, uh, with it once, and on the following progress report, they put under the notes, using phone all the time. Now I was like, are you kidding me? I was like, this fucking sucks. My mom's going to know I have another phone. This is not good. So then what I did is I went to what's it called, my friend's house, and he had a scanner, and we put the report card in the scanner, and then went on, like, paint.ms or whatever, and I, like, faded out the fucking comment that said, um always on phone and printed it out and gave it to my mom but like looking <laughs> back i'm like i should have just changed my grades on there as well because i still had bad right. grades i was like if i <laughs> i was gonna do all of that i should have just like went in and changed like grades and all of that we had one teacher who's uh we had a teacher whose daughter went to our school and uh the or not her son went to the school and he was dating a girl and they broke up or whatever then one of my buddies started dating the girl and the, the teacher's like, I hate that little prick. I can't stand him. He stole that girl from my son. And he was an asshole. He didn't care. Like she ended up behind them in a car once he waved at her and then pointed at the girl. Like, Hey, look what I got. <laughs> a few months later, we were at the party in this rich kid's neighborhood. One of those neighborhoods that has a golf course in the backyard. And he just stepped off the curb in front of a car we're like, Max, what the fuck are you doing? He said, I'm going to get a million dollars right now. My God. Yeah, we were wild ones, man. There's stories I can't tell on the air because I'm not sure of the statute of limitations <laughs> on, on felonies. And I, I, cur- I currently work in the prison system, so I got to be careful what I put out there into the ether. That's hilarious. We never had anybody do anything crazy like that. We had... um. I had a friend in eighth grade, though. We had a... I'm recording. (laughs) That's the first time that's ever happened. That's awesome. Uh, That's what I get for not telling my family I was recording. Anyways, I had a friend in eighth grade. uh, I lived on his farm, and he had a giant pond that he had a zip line that was fucking rigged up. I don't know how it was made. Like, we just had somebody that we thought was professional make it. And what it was is you're supposed to let go above the water, hit the water, all of that. Yeah. But there's like a good 15 feet or so of just ground that you have to hold on for. So like there's a good three seconds. You just have to hold on for their life unless you want to fall. My friend got up there and we've been doing this all summer. And he got up there, he pushed off the platform and his hand slipped and just 30 feet from there, just straight landed on straight ground and roll like, oh my God. And I like literally... <laughs> I remember running up the stairs to go tell his mom. And I like ran up the stairs. I'm like, I think your son died. I think your son's dead. And she's like, what the fuck? What? And I'm like, go outside. Your son's on the ground. And she's like, what happened? And then like, he ended up breaking, uh, breaking his pelvis and fracturing his, whatever your bone is on your thigh. But like, it was just terrifying because we all went over there to check on him. And right where he fell, literally like three inches over, if he would have just fell like three inches over, he would have been impaled by a fucking rock. It's no good, my friend. It's no good. That was terrifying. 
like it's decidedly being... bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But one thing I like to do before I wrap this up is I have my guests give any piece of advice they would like to give to the listeners. Oh wow. I didn't know I'd be in a position to influence the future like this. Goodness. Oh, oh. you don't have to influence the future. I've had Candy <laughs> tell people Candy Lee told people not to be ugly. So solid advice, really. Yeah. Oh, my advice, I mean, fuck it. I'll, I'll go with the most practical advice I have is don't be afraid to go to trade school, guys. If, if you're young enough to just be getting your life started, uh, there's no shame in being a plumber or electrician or something along those lines. If you can get in on that, uh, please do, man, because those people are making bank and they usually run their own business. You know, they work for themselves and have somebody up their ass telling them what to do. I wish I had done that at that age instead of just dicking around working the jobs that I was working. Mm -hmm. So kids go to trade school or basically don't go to college unless you have a goal in mind. Don't just go with some bullshit degree that you won't be able to make money in. That's why you go to the college so you can make money in the future. I didn't go, I didn't go. So I was 28 and I was very focused. I was going to be a nurse at that point. So yeah, don't go to school and say, you know what you're going to do. All right. All right. You know, let the people know where they can find you to see your uh, problematic sometimes opinions. Dude, so problematic. Uh, my, my Twitter handle is at not Dr. Death. That's N-O-T-D-R-D-E-A-T-H. Uh, I'm locked half the time, and that's because I am currently up for a promotion. Uh, so during business hours, I keep it locked in case the HR people do their background check during that time. Uh, yeah, follow me if, if you... Uh, if I see the follow request, I'm sure to accept it because, you know, what the hell? Why not? Yep. All right. That it. That's it, brother. I think we covered a lot of ground today. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Thank you for being on. This is uh, something I've been wanting for a minute. And now that I'm finally, uh, finally learning how to do remote interviews, I'm going all in. So it was good having you on. I hope to see you at a show sometime. I know me and you are fans of all of the same promotions. And sooner than later, we'll probably run into each other. Yeah, Klein's been trying to talk me to St. Louis for three years now, so I'm sure it will happen sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah, you need to. You need to. You need to find a weekend where there's multiple shows running. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for being on, man. Have a great night. You too, buddy.